And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and Mike Rouse is guest presenter. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're talking about the labour shortage in the aviation industry. It's estimated uh, that here in Hong Kong, at the International Airport, uh, uh, it's currently short of about 25,000 staff. That's around a third of the number employed uh, before the pandemic. Industry figures say the shortage is having a serious effect on airline operations and are calling for measures to make it easier to bring in foreign labour. But with many sectors of the economy facing similar staffing difficulties, we'll be asking what can be done to get the airport back to full operation as soon as possible. How can we maintain and consolidate our status as an international aviation hub? And how is the current situation affecting economic recovery? After 9.45, we'll hear more about the decision to reschedule the standard chartered Hong Kong Marathon from November to next January. You can let us know what you think if you want to join the conversation. Message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 and we have uh, uh, several guests uh, this morning to talk about uh, different aspects of the main topic uh, who will be joining us uh, at different times as we go on. Um, but uh, with us now, we have uh, Brendan Sobey, who's an independent aviation analyst, and uh, Akim Cherney, Associate Professor at the Department of Logistics and Maritime Studies at the Polytechnic University. Um, good morning to you both. Uh, perhaps, uh, uh, Brendan Sobey, we can come to you first. Hello, good morning. Yeah, good morning. So uh, we want to talk mainly about uh, Hong Kong this morning, but just to, to sort of uh, uh, put everything in context and give us the big picture. I mean, what is the current state, would you say, of the aviation industry as we all emerge from the pandemic? Yeah, so I mean, the aviation industry uh, globally has faced a lot of issues uh, that Hong Kong is now facing, actually, but mainly faced them earlier because the recovery was earlier, the reopening was earlier. So what we're seeing in Hong Kong is, is not surprising, uh, you know, the labor shortages now. And, um, you know, they will be resolved over time. It just, it, it just takes a long time to hire people into aviation, to train them, and, uh, and to you know, get them, get the level, staffing levels back up to normal, uh, particularly not only staffing levels, but you have to have that, you know, the, the, the right experience. The, the, uh, you know, a lot of people take time to, uh, even new employees take time to, get up to the kind of level of efficiency that you think uh, accustomed to. Yeah, so, sure. um, yeah. you know, so, yeah, so the industry is, 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 is on that, is, is on that path towards recovery, you know, you know, globally, um, you know, most, a lot of industries is, is almost recovered, uh, in Asia Pacific, some markets, um, you know, like Singapore already, well, Hong Kong's only 50% recovered. So Hong Kong is several months behind in that curve and we're seeing a lot of the crunch now in terms of, of manpower. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that is the big question, isn't it? The time it's going to take to get everything uh, back up to full speed. Um, you know, w would you be able to estimate uh, how long it might be likely to take, uh, you know, in the case of Hong Kong? Um, I mean, I, th I, would, I would say, you know, a year uh, or so. Um, mm. to, you know, and, and the issue, of course, is, is does demand come back faster than, uh, than capacity or, or than the ability of the manpower to... Uh, to kind of meet the demand. And, and we've seen, you know, in, in other markets, um, we saw this last year, uh, where demand 
and was, you know, came back very fast and in, in, in capacity, whether it's manpower related, whether it's aircraft related, um, there's lots of constraints. Um, you just cannot come back so fast. Uh, it's just not possible in the aviation industry for, you know, for airlines or for airports right. or for anyone, uh, service providers to pull, pull back at, at such a fast rate. So, um, but if, if you put the plans in place, you know, and if you start hiring and recruiting and training, um, you know, and, and putting the right programs in place, if it's, you know, for those markets that maybe are hard to find local people. So you have to actually bring the people overseas. You have to work with the uh, labor uh, authorities to make sure that, you know, the, the, the visas can be issued and the people can be brought in and trained. Um, it will be resolved. This is not a permanent problem. It, it, and with other markets, it, it, a lot of it's already resolved now um, or, or nearly fully resolved, you know, here into the recovery. So I think in Hong Kong's case as well, after a year, uh, if, if, the, if the right plans are put in place now and, and everybody's on board, we should see a resolution over the next several months. What are the uh, gradual improvement? Yeah. Good morning. What What are the areas you think we most severe shortage at the moment? Is it pilots? Is it uh, uh, check-in staff? Is it baggage handlers? What, what's worse? Um, yeah, I mean a lot of it is ground handling, which is yeah, like which is basically like baggage handlers, check-in staff. These are all handled by, um, you know, providers at the airport um, that are, you know, independent companies. I mean, sometimes they're, they're companies that are uh, partially owned by the airlines, but a lot of times they're the independent companies. And, and these are, um, you know, so, so what happened during the pandemic is, is you know, air, airports, not only Hong Kong, was very severe because there was no domestic traffic to fall back on. So compared to, say, like in China, where domestic was continued, Hong Kong had to cut back, you know, more. From you know, from, from right. that perspective, uh, and it, and so they so at the moment, um, you know, and it's certainly in the, in the last uh, three months, this is um, you know the, the, the shortfall has been in the airport kind of environment, um, uh, check-in staff, baggage handlers, uh, you know, airport-related um, kind of, um, you know, but pilots is also an issue, um, and, and 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 especially uh, you know because it takes time to retrain pilots, um, and it takes time to hire. Because pilot. um, pilots have to uh, keep so, flying, so, don't they, yeah. uh, uh, to keep their licenses valid. They've got to have a number of yeah, um, air, yeah. hours in the air. Um, looking, looking at all, all this, the big picture, the demand for people by customers to fly again uh, seems to have sprung back very, very fast, and, and the airlines can't keep up. And the airport. So, I mean, right. so, so the pilot issue is, is like the local airlines, you know, like Pacific or Captain Pacific Group, including Hong Kong Express, uh, you know, Hong Kong Airlines and Greater Bay. Um, you know, so, so that's the combination of the airlines, you know, not being able to get aircraft, uh, reactivate aircraft and get enough crew, um, you know, to, 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 uh, to, you know, increase capacity, you know, fast enough to keep up with demand because demand came back so fast, it's just not possible. Um, but the but for foreign airlines, a lot of it is I would say more the uh, the airport environment issue, which is um, right. there's a lot of foreign airlines in the last in the first three months in Hong Kong, several foreign airlines would have added a lot more capacity into Hong Kong because the demand was there, but they were not permitted to because um, the they're, they're either the airport authority or the their ground handler, the company that actually you know, staff staff their flights in Hong Kong in terms of check-in and baggage decline their additional flights because they just didn't have the staff to accommodate it. And, and that continues, that has improved somewhat, but it, you know, continues to be a bottleneck. Um, you know, uh, the situation, I think, is a little bit better than it was a couple months ago, actually. 
up in the airport environment, but of course demand continues to come back. Yes. And you know, the, and, and with China reopening, um, you know, that was kind of uh, Hong Kong is a very interesting situation because they don't have a domestic market, uh, so it's all international. And 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 you had China come back uh, shortly after the reopening. So like other markets um, had a little bit of a more gradual return, partly because of domestic, or even those markets like Singapore. Uh, that doesn't have domestic, they, they, they had a, re- a recovery of non-China traffic last year, and then China's now recovering. So, But Hong Kong had both at the same time. So it's like, um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's in a way, it's more extreme for Hong Kong, but it, they will get through this. Hong Kong will get through this at the right. same time. Okay. Did you I, get many people left the industry and went off into working elsewhere? Can we lure them back? Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's part of the issue, but I mean, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's also just, you know, uh, getting new people interested in aviation. Um, because, you know, uh, even though aviation is, is good now, it's, it's, it's a very cyclical industry and, and, you know, they could, and people see that there's been a lot of crises over the years and, and the stability is just not there. So it's, it's not hard easy to attract people, whether it's new or people that were there through COVID. Into back into the industry, um, right. so it's it's not like the long term. It's like it's always aviation always had this issue, you know. And I think with the pandemic, it's, it's become even more of an issue because mm. it's the pandemic has taught everyone that aviation is very unstable. Mm. Akim uh, Cherney, good morning. Good morning. Thanks, yes. thanks very much for joining us. Uh, uh, what do you think? I mean, has the opening up all happened a bit too suddenly for for Hong Kong? You know, for the airport to keep up with events. Uh, first of all, thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, too quick, happening too quick. I think uh, this is something that we uh, appreciate, I would say, uh, that things are recovering right now. I mean, uh, I think Brandon summarized it very well. Uh, he also described uh, sort of, you know, kind of this almost standstill at the airport. It looked like a hospital, uh, no passengers. Um, but I think there's something uh, that I would like to add to the to the discussion. This is typically when we talk about aviation, even aviation about Hong, uh, in Hong Kong, people will be focusing on passenger traffic. Uh, but uh, actually, uh, when it comes to uh, on the, you know, the Hong Kong airport globally, uh, Hong Kong is the number one airport in terms of air cargo. Mm. And actually, the air cargo business was doing quite well even during the pandemic. Even, I I just looked it up, I mean, even in, you know, why do I say they're in a special position uh, globally? For many, many years, they are the number one airport in terms of air cargo in the world, and also in 2022, so last year. So, um, uh, yeah, so the the cargo business is is actually doing quite well. Hmm. Um, When it comes to the... The current shortages, uh, I would also agree with uh, sort of Brandon that kind of the shortages are sort of all across the board. Um, that's kind of would be my 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 guess. Um, but also that the, the, the companies are now struggling finding new young people entering the industry is, I, I would say, not not too surprising. I mean. Um, People are have, still have to digest the whole situation, like the massive, massive layoffs during the pandemic, 
Uh, again, the airport not looking very attractive during that time. Uh, and now companies struggle finding employees. And for the young talent, their families, takes time to digest. So, uh, yeah, I, I, would, I, I understand that the situation is quite difficult right now, but it, it should be better uh, 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 in the future. Mm. Hopefully not too, too far. I think when it comes to, you know, what can we do right now? Um, I think uh, when I talk about my own students, because I'm the director of a program in aviation management and logistics, mm. when it comes to, well, I see what our students, when they enter our program, what they're looking at. Something they look at is, for instance, entrance salaries. Right. Um, and uh, they really <laughs> look at it. And uh, I feel perhaps that's something like, uh, uh, that, that there is some room for, for uh, attracting new, the interest of new talents by sort of, uh, um, you know, increasing slightly the entrance salary. Right. Uh, another issue, uh, sorry, yeah. I was going to say that the, the volatility of the industry, uh, was one of Brendan's point, uh, is going to have to be some compensation for that. I, yes, yes. Um, I mean, volatility, okay, so, okay. Um, it is, yeah, of course, right now the volatility was, like, um, unbelievable. So we're on the upside. Yes. But on the other hand, on the other hand, if you look at the aviation industry, uh, what we always highlight is that actually the aviation, in the growth of the aviation industry is quite stable. We had... Like the, the, the industry is like doubling in size quite consistently every like 15 years. Uh, and even other uh, crises, like the financial crisis, like SARS, the recovery has been quite quick. Uh, but of course, the situation right now is absolutely exceptional, right, on a historical scale. So, um, yeah, and the, the aviation industry has been particularly been affected uh, by this, by the by the shock caused by the pandemic. So it's extraordinary times, and it will take you know, in a sense, some extra time to recover. But when for the students, especially the young talents, I think they what they should know is there is a it's a very attractive industry with lots of things going on. We're talking about passenger traffic. We're talking about cargo traffic. When we look at the Hong Kong expansion, it's not just like new logistics centers by DHL or Alibaba and a new runway, more passenger traffic. It's also like this Sky City project, right, where you have uh, a lot of other kind of, uh, you know, sort of a job op a career mm. opportunities mm. that are not necessarily only related to like ground handling or, mm. or 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 being part of the cabin crew or part of the management. There's, the, I think, the industry has so much to offer, uh, and I think in terms of the volatility, actually, of course, it's cyclical. But again, the the the, the growth has been very consistent over the last decades. Uh, yeah. Since the existence yeah. of the industry, I would say. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And I think this wouldn't be changing in the future. It's a massive operation at the airport in various uh, uh, different areas. Uh, we're also joined by Vivian Lau, who's president of the Hong Kong Airline Service Providers Association. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning.
morning, Jim. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. So, so you were making the point the other day that um, uh, wages and overtime allowances uh, have been increased for a lot of staff, but still uh, the industry is still being understaffed by up to 40%. Um, w w what do you think the answers are you know, for, mm. for, for, for Hong Kong International Airport? Yeah, and um, um, for, for what we are now facing, definitely because we are now on the recovery um, and phase. Um, I think um, we also learn from other airports around the world. So this is, there will be a suddenly, you know, an upsurge of demand, of demand, not the airline will have to tie back to Hong Kong. But at the same time, you know, after the pandemic and uh, three years of pandemic, so a lot of staff left. So this is really a suddenly, you know, a, 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 a upsurge, you know, a mismatch of demand and supply. But in reality, echoing to what um, Journey has mentioned, also Brandon also uh, and captured the situation very well, is um, I think that uh, and the younger generation or some star, uh, people start losing confidence about the aviation industry, given what has happened during the pandemic. And some of them also see aviation is a high-risk industry. So mm. that stops them from entering into this market. So as this recovery phase, what we are trying to achieve is that in Hong Kong, we must recover in an orderly manner, making us back to the, you know, world-class standards very, very soon. So that's why I think for all the existing um, operators in, in airport now, what we are doing, trying our best is no matter how we are running short of staff, we are still trying our best to protect every flight and making sure it is safely and, 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 uh, and operated. Um, but of course, we, we can foresee that, you know, with the increasing demand of the airlines and coming, flying in, and also we want to, you know, um, and increase the, the flight volume back to the pandemic level very soon. So that's why we see there's a shortfall, and we do need help to, you know, bridge the gap uh, and so that we can stabilize all the operations here. At the end of the day, I think for the local aviation industry, what we really hope is to appeal for more younger generation, more people to rejoin and or consider aviation as their uh, lifelong career, you know, development. Um, but we do need to rebuild that confidence and also to show them that Hong Kong aviation industry is, you know, having uh, a back on the right path, and that and also there will be some growth and hope that they can see, so that they can consider. Right. In, yeah. Do you think uh, anything the government could do to help this process? I think uh, from our, our perspective, we, we believe that now we are talking about the Great Bay Area and also the English with it. And given the location of the Hong Kong Airport, we are now well connected with Hong Kong Johan Macau Bridge. We think there will be some short-term or transitional arrangement where we can ride on the um, labor pool in the Greater Bay Area. So one possibility could be making use of the bridge and there could be some daily commute labor or, or even we are recruiting the young and graduates from the Greater Bay Area to work in the Hong Kong airport. So um, that may also give us some short-term relief while we are rebuilding the, the, the industry in right. Hong Kong. Or even, even in the longer term. Does that mean we need to make it easier to, uh, for immigration? Yes, definitely, because there are um, and some schemes that uh, and some of our um, uh, ground operators, and, uh, like some technician or some um, equipment maintenance and, and stuff, we can apply through some kind of visa to get some external help. But those processes are too lengthy and complicated. So we would like to the government to really we look at the um, overall process and then simplify it, and which can facilitate more external help. Uh, and to support us during this critical period. 
Right. And, of course, there, there are some opportunities for outsourcing in the sense of maintenance of aircraft and so on, but a lot of things have got to be done at the airport, don't they? Exactly. So because that will also keep our, our, our you know, and keep our, us as on the competitive edge. Um, because at the end of the day, um, aviation is all about safety and security. So we still need to, you know, train up our um, and staff um, with um, high service quality and also making sure yeah. that those we, we won't sacrifice. Now you've mentioned service quality a couple of times, and I think that's very important. That is, yeah. that we must maintain standards. We must. But now we are relying on the existing pool of labor. I, I sometimes I feel bad seeing them that, you know, most of them are working long hours because uh, labor shortage. So right. if your staff are, are suffering from any fatigue, you know, long working hour, that may also uh, undermine our service quality. So this is what we as an industry will want to stop and prevent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, what, what effect is this having on airline operations? What effect is this have is the, is the labour shortage having on airline operations? I mean, at the moment, uh, uh, the number of destinations is back to 150. Uh, I think uh, flights have recovered to uh, about uh, 60% of. No, sorry, that passenger numbers have recovered to about 60% of pre-pandemic levels. Flights are back to about 40%. Uh, um, I mean, uh, is the lack of the shortage of labour at the airport slowing down the recovery significantly? Um, yes, to some extent, um, there are an impact on how mm. quickly and how fast airline can resume the operations. Mm. Um, because in the Hong Kong airport, we're also very, very um, focused on the number of you know, destinations and also the number of networks. And in addition, it will be the, also the flight frequency where mm. can call us a hub. Mm. So that's why I think for, for now, um, with the, the, the all the um, resources, you know, manpower resources on hand, so we are trying to stretch to support on the flight resumption. But I must admit that there are some cases, and some airlines have not been recovering to, I mean, to back to the frequency as what they expect. So there's still room for for further um, in, increase in terms of frequency and the number of destinations and even number of airlines and, and they are operating. And okay. also don't forget okay. about the third runway. Once third runway is fully in operation next year, so yeah. we also believe there will be more airlines flying in. So we do need more staff. Um, by yeah, then. yeah, OK. OK, well, 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 let's just put this one to Akim Cherney, because I know you have to leave at 9.30. But, uh, yeah, that point about uh, the third... When all three runways are uh, operating at the airport, uh, it's going to take, I think, uh, uh, an extra 100,000 personnel yeah. um, on top of, uh, you know, uh, the number working there now. So, I mean, presumably, there's going to have to be a, a huge recruitment campaign. Exactly. So that's why I think, oh. yeah, um, in addition to the local recruit and, and uh, appealing to more young people to join, but we do need some external help. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Akim Cherney, do yeah, you want to respond uh, to that? <clears throat> right. I, I do believe that, uh, you know, sort of um, indicating and, and conveying to the young talents all the opportunities uh, that they will be having in the different areas of the aviation industry, like passenger traffic, cargo, 
but also like this non non aeronautical what this how we call it uh, businesses such as the sky city and the mall eleven skies and so on and mm. so forth there are lots of there's a lot of career opportunities and I would say uh, sometimes I tell the students you know focusing on these entrance salaries is maybe not such a good idea because you have to see uh, you know how can you progress during your career and how uh, will your 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 income opportunities develop i think having some more transparency and and uh, effort in in sort of um, conveying to the student uh, uh, what the aviation industry has to offer i think it could help mm. Okay, great. Well, thanks very much uh, for joining us on the programme this morning. Uh, That was uh, Akim Cherney, who's uh, Associate Professor at the Department of Logistics and Maritime Studies at uh, Hong Kong University. Um, Thanks also uh, to Vivian Lau, President of the Hong Kong Airline Service Providers Association. Um, We still have uh, uh, Brendan Sobey with us. Uh, uh, Brendan's going to stay with us, uh, I hope, till about uh, 9.45 this morning. We're going to take a, a short break because uh, we have a news summary coming up, uh, followed by a couple of announcements. Uh, just before that, a quick look at the weather. Uh, sunny periods today, uh, mist patches at first. Now, the outlook is for sunny intervals and a few showers tomorrow. The weather becoming unsettled in the following couple of days. It's currently 26 degrees. Humidity is at 77%. <laughs> News summary with Ben Che. At least four people have been killed and more than 20 others injured, mostly teens, in the U.S. state of Alabama. Local news reports said the shooting occurred at a Sweet 16 party at a dance studio in Dadeville, a small town northeast of the state capital, Montgomery. President Biden has condemned the killings as outrageous and unacceptable. The Sudanese military has conducted numerous airstrikes against positions held by the paramilitary rapid support forces as the conflict in the country continues for a second night. Dozens of civilians and an unknown number of combatants have been killed as rival factions of the military battle for supremacy. And the governor of Russia's Bielgorod region, which borders Ukraine, says two fires have been reported at civilian facilities. Vyacheslav Gladkov said there were no casualties and the fires had been extinguished. Videos on social media appear to show power station infrastructure ablaze. I'll have more news at 10. One is perfect for a solo. With two, you can play doubles. The more, the merrier. How about a quartet? You could even form a basketball team. How many children should you have? The choice is yours. Be sure to plan ahead and plan it well. Call the Family Planning Association of Hong Kong on 2572-2222. Want to be a perfect employer? You have to pay wages and make MPF contributions on time. Remember to make MPF contributions and submit remittance statements on or before the 10th day of each month. If there are public holidays on or before the 10th of the month, you should arrange your MPF contributions earlier. A 5% surcharge will be imposed for late contributions. Use electronic services to make timely and accurate contributions. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. 
And welcome back to Back Chat with Mike Rouse and me, Jim Gould. And this morning, we're talking about the labour shortage in the aviation industry, and particularly at the uh, International Airport uh, here in Hong Kong. We have with us uh, Brendan Sobey, Independent Aviation Analyst. And also joining us is George Cawthorley, the Vice Chairman of the uh, International Chamber of Commerce. Um, George Cawthorley, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, so can we just, uh, just before we go back to Brendan, can we just ask you uh, about uh, the importance of getting the airport uh, up and running back to full speed as soon as possible? Well, of course, it's of cardinal importance uh, to facilitate uh, the re resumption of the tourist trade, uh, to facilitate the resumption of business communication. Although on the business travel front, I think because of the experience of the last three years of COVID and the fact that people understand that they can conduct a great deal of business uh, through video co conferencing, mm. I don't see business travel resuming uh, to pre-COVID levels at all. I mean, from discussions I've had with my uh, overseas business partners, um, they're all planning to reduce business travel. Um, and I think probably uh, you can't expect business travel to get back to more than 70, possibly 80 percent um, mm. of, of what it was previously. I mean, they still feel business travel is important, but they feel there's a great deal that can be done uh, over video conferencing now that they never realize because the technology improves so much. Mm. Mm. But I mean, there, there is still uh, d obviously demand. Uh, numbers are increasing. Passenger numbers are increasing at the airport. And more flights are being uh, put on again. Um, the, the transport secretary told uh, uh, Legco on Friday that uh, the, there may be new measures uh, coming in uh, during the summer to uh, to improve the staffing situation at the airport. But uh, um, are, is there anything that you think like could be done? like immediately to uh, to make things better? I mean, talking about uh, importation of labour or what do you think? Well, but even, even importation of labour takes time. Mm. Um, and it depends, again, I mean, uh, from what I heard on the conversation so far, it seems that probably most of the shortfall in labour is, is in ground handling, um, uh, uh, handling passengers at the airport, this sort of thing. Um, now, that's not very easy to import labour. For that, but I mean, one of the key issues is uh, where are people going to be housed? Um, and then uh, there was uh, talk that, well, maybe with the Macau Bridge, uh, people can come in from, from China. Well, actually, that's not so easy. I mean, I have a factory in China. Um, I've been used to traveling to my factory. I used to do it once or twice a week. It would take me three hours each way um, from my home to the factory door. So I, I'm not sure people are going to be too eager if they have to spend six hours a day traveling. Um, so I think, you know, that is perhaps not uh, such a likely or more difficult thing to do. Um, I, think, I think the quickest way is to try and attract people back who were workers before um, by paying higher, higher salaries, I suppose. George, on that point, um, we're coming from the urban area and therefore... Uh, it, it's it, everywhere seems a long way away, but if you're from Zhuhai or Macau, uh, the bridge is what an hour from the airport, or even less. So it it, it should be some scope there, I would have thought. But, well, there, yes, I mean, but the, the question is, you know, um, 
uh, are there enough people there who want to come to Hong Kong? <laughs> um, and, and okay, the bridge maybe is, is 45 minutes, but you've got to get there from your home. Um, in Zhuhai, that might take you a bit longer than in Macau. Um, but I, so I think, I think, of course, you can get people coming in. You may not get as many as you want. Right. Well, how is the impact on businesses at the moment of the how many flights we have got? And where do you well, see the priorities for getting back? Well, it, interestingly, I mean, I've had now since February, um, when everything sort of uh, came almost back to normal. I mean, March was when it all came fully back to normal. But none of my business visitors and even family visitors have had any problem getting flights whatsoever. It's interesting. Mm. It mm. is interesting. Mm. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, Brendan Sobey, huh? um, would you agree with what George Cawthorley is saying about uh, uh, the the volume of business travel will probably uh, never return to what, what is before the pandemic because people have got used to different ways of working? I think it's too early to tell. I mean, mm. there's a lot of surveys out there um, and there's a lot of markets uh, already that have higher levels of business travel return than 70 or 80%. Um, it's, it's a very different uh, environment than with the pre-COVID. Travel patterns have changed. Uh, leisure travel patterns have changed as well as business patterns. And it's going to be a few years before we really know what the new normal is. Um, and that's the reality. Um, so, I mean, it, it, there will be some impact, but uh, whether it's 20 or 30 percent, it's not going to return specifically for Hong Kong or, or globally or, or for Asia. I think it's way too early to, to uh, actually know that. Um, I think we have to see, but there's other areas like gain, um, you know, the uh, market, uh, leisure travel is very popular, people combining uh, business and leisure is very popular, uh, digital nomad uh, traffic is, is quite popular now too, with, with people um, able to um, work remotely more and they're taking advantage of that, so there are other segments that are, are hotter than before pre-COVID as well, uh, so um, I think we will have to see, and Hong Kong is, is, is a very big airport and has a lot uh, on the line here in terms of investment for the future with the third uh, runway uh, and the new terminals and so forth. And, uh, and that, that involves getting people to Hong Kong, both business and leisure travel, travelers, and the inbound market has not really recovered as fast as the outbound market. It means the outbound market, which is Hong Kong people traveling to the world, which has been the fastest to recover so far, for obvious reasons, given the, 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 you know, the fact that the Hong Kong was shut for so long before it was shut. And the transit market, which has up been a bit slow to recover, but will come back, and that people's using Hong Kong as a hub. Uh, George, what uh, things would you like to see come back the fastest? Uh, in, in terms of, of what? I mean, um, the airline, the number of airlines, or the frequency? Well, obviously, obviously, frequency, the number of flights, um, whether that's done by fewer or more airlines, um, that's less relevant. But obviously, the number number of flights. But then that that of course is demand driven as well. Um, so uh, it depends again on how enthusiastic tourists are, because right. I think tourists are the biggest volume. Um, but uh, so it's a difficult uh, problem for the airlines as to how quickly to ramp up. And of course, you know the lead time for retraining pilots and getting them back to license compliance, etc takes a long time. So, I mean, the airlines really have a big, uh, a big problem here. I don't envy them at all. Okay. Um, uh, Brendan Sobey, we were saying earlier that when uh, 
the airport here is operating all three runways. Uh, an extra 100,000 staff are going to be needed. Uh, um, so there's a lot of talk about the possibility of bringing people in from the Greater Bay Area. I mean, I mean, uh, in your experience, is it is it common for people who work in the aviation industry to 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 relocate to to follow the jobs to d different parts of the world, or or do people more inclined to yeah. you know stay where they are? It's definitely possible. First of all, the 100,000 jobs is not overnight. I mean, the, the three runway system, you know, kicks in, but that doesn't mean all the capacity for the three runway system. It'll still be a several year kind of ramp up. Mm. Fully utilizing the capacity of the third runway as, as one expected. You know, the airlines can't, can't add so fast, the man doesn't come, come to the so fast. So, so 100,000 jobs is not like, you know, a single year. It's going to be over several years. And, and it is a global market. Um, Hong Kong can attract people from overseas. It's not just the Greater Bay Area. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not sure about the attraction of Hong Kong traffic in Zhuhai or, or Shenzhen or, or in the Greater Bay Area because the economy on the China side might, you know, obviously uh, factor in there. But, um, but you know, you have a lot of opportunities to attract workers from other countries, um, you know, in, particularly in Southeast Asia, which has, has always been, um, you know, a major uh, supplier of labor. Um, for Singapore, for Singapore, for Hong Kong, for other airports in the region that, that lack the manpower. And, and Hong Kong and Singapore have an advantage, you know, compared to Europe, where it's a lot harder to bring in um, workers from outside the region. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, so I think it is, it is possible. And, um, you know, uh, at, at the moment, you know, uh, we were talking about 60% labor, about 60%, but capacity is at 50%. And you've got to realize that, you know, Hong Kong has come a long way in the last year ago, we were at 5%. Six months ago, we were at 15%. Now we're at 50% of the capacity. You know, and, and it's, um, and, and the service levels are still relatively good compared to, like, the meltdown we saw in Europe last year, for example. So, like, I think, it was, you know, you have to look at it as fast as possible right now, and the opportunity there is to, uh, it's certainly there for Hong Kong to, to move on. Again, it, again, if the plan programs are in place, and, and, uh, and, and Hong Kong, you know, basically, it's very Taking into account George's point, and, and you've referred to it too, uh, com commuting is not that attractive. We're really talking then of people coming in and settling for medium long term. If, if we want to get the yeah, numbers yeah. working yeah, I, at the I, I airport. Don't think, I don't hmm. think, um, yeah, no, it's not about commuting necessarily. I mean, uh, you know, that, that, that was difficult because, the, you, know, the, you know, the nature of, of crossing immigration every day. And I, I mean, a lot of it let down because the bridge of you obviously um, you know how much how much how much can Hong Kong actually attract in terms of commuting labor, you know, compared to say Singapore you know, but Malaysia is very different than China in terms of labor supply. So I don't think that's a fair comparison either. So I think um, you know, I think ultimately a lot of at least from an airport perspective, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it will come from China. I think it will come from some of the other source markets, you know, like the Philippines, for example. Um, so so but that's and then you have to have the housing, like you were talking about. But you know, they they've had the housing before COVID to house a lot of workers from um, right. from from outside the region. So and and it's possible to expand this over time. Again, it's not an overnight thing. Uh, the additional workers for the third, you know, associated with the additional capacity from the third runway, is uh, will be phased in over a long period of time. First, first we have to get back to 100 percent. We're now at 60 percent labor, 60 percent capacity. You know, 
have to get back to a hundred percent of both those metrics and for for labor to keep up with with capacity of course um, over the next year and then after that we can talk about the expansion. But I don't I don't really see any reason why Hong Kong with the right programs and policies can can achieve that and why Hong Kong you know can't can keep and grow its status as a global Popeye. There's really no reason why it can't. It's just um, it's just a matter of of the right to support government policies and programs. Right. George, a significant increase in long-term uh, importation. Well, I, 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 as far as uh, flight deck crew and cabin crew are concerned, you can, of course, base them outside of Hong Kong um, because they just fly into Hong Kong. Um, and, and the airlines have done this before, of course. Um, and it, for cost reasons, uh, they began to... Uh, move away from that model. Right. That would be one of the quickest ways. You just hire in various countries. Um, and, and, uh, right. Your, then your Thai flights are, ba- are based in Thailand and yeah, the crew right. there. But yeah. ground handling, that doesn't work, does it? No, that doesn't work. That was, the, other, the other comment I would like to make is, I mean, uh, the addition of the third runway, um, I find it astounding um, that we are running two runways with 78,000 people, and to add a third, we have to add another 100,000. I mean, this seems incredibly unproductive in use of labor. Uh, I just don't believe you need it. And in fact, I think it would make the whole thing uh, quite uncompetitive and uh, uneconomical. Right. Presumably, though, that's because people are anticipating a huge expansion in the number of flights. Well, yeah, but, but, but you're not going to increase your flights by three times by adding on the existing number, by adding one more runway. Yes. You should only be increasing them by one-third. Mm. Mm. I think we'd have to have someone else to come and tell us about that. <laughs> I think yeah. someone yeah. needs yeah. to look at the mathematics of okay. that. Okay. All right, well, thank you very much, uh, uh, both of you, for speaking us uh, on the programme this morning. That was uh, George Cawthorley, Vice Chairman of the International Chamber of Commerce. And thank you to Brendan Sobey, Independent Aviation Analyst. And uh, just an email here from uh, uh, listener James on this topic says, uh, to recap, uh, cargo planes do not carry passengers and it is not a reflection of Hong Kong's aviation industry, albeit, of course, uh, without... Uh, cargo, both CX and the airport would have been in more trouble than they already are. Hong Kong's in the middle of a perfect storm with more demand than the supply of ground staff, cockpit and cabin crew. Every country has gone through the same issue, so there's no excuse for not already uh, knowing that this was not coming or to prepare uh, better. And then uh, James goes on to say that uh, uh, the government should uh, shoulder the blame for the way it handled the, the pandemic and um, and there should be a public inquiry, but that's not going to happen. OK, uh, thank you, James. And now, before we turn our attention to our second topic this morning... 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Happy 95th birthday, RTHK. Thank you for 95 years of public broadcasting service. Keep up the amazing work. I'm Kiri T. 95 years of public service broadcasting. 95 Stay tuned. Stay tuned. With Hong Kong. And we're now joined on the line by Peter Hopper, who's an amateur marathon runner and a partner in Gone Running, which is a store based Hello. in Wan Chai. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. 
Hello? Uh, Peter Hopper, hello? I think we, uh, I think we briefly, uh, we we briefly connected, didn't yeah. we? We briefly connected. We seem to have hello. lost you again. Uh, Peter, Peter Hopper, good morning. Hello? Yeah. Hello? We can kind of hear you on the other end of the line, but uh, we don't seem to be getting a continuous signal. Um, once more, can you hear us? Okay, I think what we'll do then is we'll try and uh, we'll try and call you back, and um, in the meantime, let's introduce the topic because uh, Mike, we're going to be talking about marathon running, and the decision to move the next uh, standard chartered Hong Kong marathon uh, to next January. That uh, would have been that's just old schedule, isn't it? Um, well, um, it was going to be held in November. Right, but I mean, um, when I ran, mm -hmm. he said which, of course, was some time ago. It was in the early year, early part of the year. In January? Yeah, right. January, right. February. How, how long ago was that? Well, I did the 10K three times and the half marathon three times. Mm. So. But, yeah, that was uh, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but that was, that was traditionally the, the right schedule because right. It's, it's a climate thing. Right. It's, it's a heat. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's the ideal time. Mm. Yes, yes. I mean, the, the most recent uh, marathon that was uh, held in February. Yeah. Apparently, uh, a lot of the runners were saying that the the surface was a bit slippy because of the high humidity, like running in ninety percent humidity, and uh, generally I mean, should it, be better than it. Um, well, yeah, I think that's part of the rationale for you know switching the date of the race to January or or back to January from wherever it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can remember as well the when the trail walker. Along the McElhose Trail, the Oxfam Trail Walker was held in October. Right. Um, but I, I want to ask Peter and, yeah. and other still marathon runners, people talk to me all the time. It's, mm. a, it's a big thing. Mm. Uh, a friend of mine is planning to run two marathons in Japan, for example. Uh, he's Hong Kong-based. He's going to run one in Osaka and one in, in Tokyo. Mm. And people, this, this seems to be quite a, quite a trend. Uh, people are on a circuit of running marathons here, there, and everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tremendous. Is your friend uh, an amateur runner, professional he runner? Does he do it for charitable reasons or what? Amateur. He does it for personal self-development, mm. setting himself a challenge. Yeah. Enjoyment, keeping fit. Yeah. I, I would like to run a marathon. I always did, wanted to run, but we don't close the road for long enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know I got down to two and a half hours for a half marathon. But it's not straight, okay, five hours would be okay for a full marathon. That's, that's just not true. <laughs> I would be pacing myself to go twice as far, and I'm thinking seven, eight hours. But mm -hmm. other cities close the roads the whole day. Why, mm -hmm. why can't we do that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I always wanted to ask. Could that be something to do with the route? Because, I mean, don't, I mean, don't they use the, 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 the bridge to the, yeah, but, the bridge to Lantown? To yeah, the but, you know, yeah. New York manages it, London manages mm -hmm. it. We're a world city. We should take one day a year. And we, we, we should have everyone running a marathon. It's not, not just something that you, you train for and devote your life for, for weeks or months or see, uh, to get up to it. Everyone should have the pleasure of running a marathon. Because mm -hmm. there's a, a certain amount of ignominy when you have to get on the bus they send a big bus around following the runners. And if you're not keeping pace, uh, you have to stop running. Mm -hmm. And they tap you on the shoulder and say, OK, you're going too slow. 
Uh, you're over. Get on the bus. It's a big effort, though. It's a big commitment running a marathon, isn't it? It so, is. So, mm. And I was ready to do the training. I was running 10K every weekend mm. to get in training for the half marathon. Mm-hmm. But that is a big commitment to do, yes. I'm prepared to do that again, even in my 70s. But I, I'm not prepared to say, OK, I have five hours of running, then you have to get on the bus. That, that's a big mm. turn-off. Mm. So you think, uh, like, long-distance running should be more promoted in schools? Everywhere. Yeah. The family should go. Mm. The whole family should do a marathon together. Mm. When, what's wrong with that? Mm. A big well, day out. Well, big focus, maybe focus not, maybe, on... Maybe not everybody's quite, quite sort of, uh, you know, you know f- physically fit enough or prepared enough to... <laughs> it, would, it would be very conducive to a big inc- improvement in public health. Yeah. Everyone say, right, we're all going to run next January... So you, mm-hmm. you see the people running in one January, you see, right, by next January, we're all going to be ready to run a marathon. Seven and a half million people running a marathon. Seven and a half million, it, nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd, have, yeah. they'd be, have to be dieting and exercising all year to get ready. Oh, right, right, OK. Have we found okay. Peter? Um, no, we haven't found uh, Peter, but uh, I'm looking at um, another email from uh, listener Chris, says, uh, says we're a supplier, um, a supplier of food to uh, airline Hang catering on. companies. Yeah, I just, well, I've, I've started this, so I've finished yeah. now. This, this was on, a, this, this, this was on our, our main topic. Uh, yeah, we'll come back. We've got Peter back. We'll come back to him in a moment. But I just started this email, so I better finish it. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, so Chris says uh, we're a supplier of food to airline catering companies, mainly in Hong Kong and Southeast Asia. Traditionally, the business uh, works around uh, menu rotations and the company passenger uploads uh, over the last month. The uptake has increased uh, over a thousand percent. So the airlines want uh, fresh food. Uh, Okay, I'm afraid this goes on for quite a long time, uh, Chris. I'm just having a look to see if I can find the... I'm just having a look to see if I can find the point of it. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to have to put this aside for a moment. Um, we're joined by Peter Hopper, um, marathon, um, amateur marathon runner and a partner in Gone Running, based in Wan Chai. Good morning, Peter Hopper. Good morning. Good Thank- morning. Sorry for the technical challenges earlier. I don't that, quite know what happened. That's all right. That's all right. We heard you a couple of times, but then we couldn't. Uh, we couldn't sort of uh, maintain Sorry. our contact on yeah. the line. Not to worry. Um, yeah, because I, I, I know you're you're out of Hong Kong at the moment. You're in the in the US, aren't you? Yes, I am in right. Denver, Colorado. Right, right. Uh, at the moment, but lovely. Right, yes. right. Great. Okay. Well, look. Thanks very much for joining us. So yeah. So what do you think about the decision to to put the the stand chart marathon uh, back to uh, uh, January next year? When it's when the weather's a bit cooler, anyway. Yes, well, I mean that that's probably one of the main points is that uh, it's, it's always been held in January or February, so it's a much more kind of welcoming time to run a marathon. And, and the nice thing is, it gives participants the opportunity to train during the cooler parts of the year, from sort of September onwards. If it's held in November, then there's a lot more running during the hot, sweaty summer in Hong Kong, which is not such a great thing. Mm. Well, yeah. What sort of lead time, Peter, do you think people should be aiming at for, in order to get fit enough for a, for a marathon? Well, I think, I think, I mean, if you run a PB, it's probably a sort of multi-year objective, but I think there's a kind of minimum of probably about six months leading up 
to a marathon to get into decent shape. So you can imagine if it's run in November, you know, you're going to be starting in July, August. Wow. And that's a tough time to be running in. Really in hot. Yeah. 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 Mm. So, so January and February fits better with that. What about the, the idea of closing the roads for longer, which we were discussing well, I, before we got you back? Yeah, I mean, I, I, think it's, I think it's a price worth paying. I mean, I'm somewhat biased, of course, but it, it's a great opportunity to get what will, I hope will be something like 75,000 people out participating in the marathon, and it's a closure for a, probably a morning on a Sunday. So it's not a huge price to pay, I would have thought, to host such a big event. And the nice thing about the next marathon is it's also the Asian Marathon Championships. So that's, that's awesome. that also makes a much more prestigious event. So for Hong Kong, it's, it's absolutely wonderful that we once again can right. be the host for that competition. What sort of numbers run in New York and London? Well, I think the, the difference with New York and London is that it's a dedicated marathon, so everybody runs 42K. So, for instance, in London, they have similar numbers, 60,000, 70,000, but they're all running the marathon. The full marathon, right. Yeah. Whereas here, we've got a 10K, a half marathon, and a marathon, and those total numbers make the 70,000 people. But I think, actually, it makes it a little bit more accessible. Now, there's a lot of people who will struggle to run a marathon, so being able to participate in a 10K is a great way to get them involved. Right. Or they can graduate. They run the 10K one year and then the half marathon a couple of years later. Yeah, a lot of people do that, of course. Yes. Okay, uh, and just uh, uh, just time for a quick uh, email here from uh, a listener, Catherine. She's actually uh, c- contradicting some of what uh, you were saying just now. Uh, Mike says it's uh, uh, it's, it's rubbish, not slippery because of humidity. We have uh, had marathons in May here to celebrate the Chingma Bridge. You can't close yeah. roads all day because you have to deal with the government departments, a bureaucratic nightmare, bus routes, etc., etc. Other interested parties don't agree with Mike. A cut-off time is fair. There are shorter distances, and. And, and then Catherine also says that usually held February, Mike. Yeah, yeah. January, February. Right. But yeah. I don't okay. see why we can't, as Peter was saying, we can choose one Sunday a year yeah. and we close for 12 hours. Right, yeah, right. Exactly. right. It's not right. too much. Yeah. And it isn't slippery. It's never slippery from the humidity. I think that's, uh, you know, raw shoes these days are quite capable of coping with right not 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 an issue okay well look uh, it's great to speak to you sorry we could have uh, talked for a lot longer but uh, yeah we did have that yeah, uh, technical issue earlier it's probably <laughs> probably uh, probably our end uh, uh, peter uh, yeah because also we had a uh, we're having some interference on the lines uh, earlier on for our our main topic but um, but anyway uh, uh, great to speak to you and uh, and good luck with your running and uh, other endeavors um Thanks to our listeners. Uh, uh, thanks to everybody who wrote in. Um, we're going to go to, in just a moment, a new summary, um, followed by uh, Brunch with Karen Coe this morning. And thanks very much to you, Mike. Always a pleasure. See you next time. <laughs>